Oh, it's been so long. So long since that tale has happened. I believe now it is time to tell my story. This is the story of how I came to meet three other friends. Together we shared a night deep in the heart of Pali. There we exchanged stories containing strong language and moments that are not listenable for all audiences and that listener's discretion is advised. We traded such wonderful tales that include spoilers of the case study of Vanitas and any other anime. And finally, we express tales that come from our own heart, forming our own opinions, meaning that they did not reflect our group, the Dub Talk podcast, as a whole. And in this night of nights, under the stars and steamships, we talked about a wonderful case study. It was a book that I had picked up. It was written by a man Noe Archivist. This is how I read the case file. Of Vontas. Bonjour, Madame and Monsieur. Welcome to Le Dog Talk. I am your hostess, Megan, and with me I have Zeletti's Knight. Oh, oui, oui. I don't know what I'm doing right oh, now. Oh, no. Qu'est-ce que c'est? Oh, who the fuck this? Comment ça va? Pourquoi? It seems a baguette is in our. <laughs> oh, the imposter is among us! Oh, let that get. Oh, oui, oui, monsieur. Yeah, don't mind me. Um, I just sort of hitched a ride on the steampunk blimp, and now I'm here, falling like 5,000 feet in the air. Actually, also, I might die. Sacrifices will be made. Sacre bleu. Um, <laughs> and all that other French jazz. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dub Talk, the show where a group of friends get together. Shove this bitch boy out of an airship, and the rest of us drink blood. Um, yes. Uh, tonight we're here to talk about the one, the only, the W A V, the wet ass vampires. Ah. <laughs> Took me a second. I'm like, wait, what? I was gonna be like, this could be an audio. That could be an audio file. All things considered, I was like, what? Nope. Tonight we ask you and your friends. To get your ponchos, get your pools, your shamu floaties, your wine, your bread. Because tonight is not just a ladies' night. Tonight, we see a sight that not a lot of people see. Ladies and gentlemen, bisexual shamu is in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Like a a Lisa Frank critter, it has emerged from the depths of your (laughs) mind. Glittering and glistening. And why? Because a bunch of people over in Japan looked at a little independent manga and said, Hey, you got UX Shaft employees doing anything? Yeah, we got Room and Studio Bones and Anaplex is giving us money. Uh, I got Yuki Kajura on hold. Uh, anybody heard of something called uh, The Case Study of Vanitas? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Tonight, we are here to talk about the dub of the 2021 slash 2022. I forgot the first half of this season came out this year. Second half of the show came out this year. Mm-hmm. It has been a long time. The case study of Vanitas brought to us over from Studio Bones and dubbed by our friends at Funimation, who were then absorbed by Hime herself into Crunchyroll. <laughs> womp womp. 
It, 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 it's the question of, did Hime absorb them, or did they absorb Hime and then skinned her face off and are now wearing it like it's the Golden Kamoy episode? Oh, God. Jesus Christ, I reply to one text message, and this is what I come back to. <laughs> yeah, welcome. <laughs> welcome to a Dub Talk episode. I would like to think that they, uh... Weirdly... God damn it! No, it just hit my brain! Oh, no. What did? When you get it, you'll get it. When I get, we'll, we'll get to that. I want to see if you guys can figure it out first. Well, well, I was about to say, it's funny the whole Golden Kamui comparison came up. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. We'll, 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 we'll cross that bridge. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it, Gigi. We'll cross that very nice French bridge when we get to it. As we wander through the City of Flowers, let me give you a summary per the back of the first volume of the Yen Press release of the case study of Bonitas. Yen Press, please fucking reprint the series. God damn it. Por favor. Uh, S'il vous plaît. No, por favor is Spanish. S'il vous plaît is French. You're, ta- you're in the wrong country right now, baby. Andrew needs, Andrew needs to learn his languages, Gigi. I believe that the way we can teach him the difference between French and Spanish is by locking him on the Disney monorail for four, several hours. Ah, uh, por favor, <laughs> less something, less something. Yeah, uh, this, this is going to be a great episode. <laughs> also, per the last time I think Gigi and I went to Disney, didn't you say the monorail smelled like piss? It did! It smells like cat pee! <laughs> I've never been to Disney, so I... I we're going to fix here. that. We're going to go to the Polynesian <laughs> Resort and we're going to get fucking drunk. One of these days. Anyway... Rumors uh, revolving around the Book of Vanitas, a clockwork grimoire of dubious reputation, draw Noe to Paris. What awaits him in the City of Flowers, however, is not long hours of treading the pavement or rifling through dusty bookstops in, se- in search of the tome. Instead, his quarry comes to him in the arms of the man claiming to be a vampire doctor. Thrust into the conflict that threatens the peace between human and vampires, will Noe cast in his lot with the curious and slightly unbalanced Vanitas in his quest to save vampire kind. Slightly, Slightly unbalanced is a fun way to say batshit insane. Oh, Vanitas is a fucking enigma. Uh, What's the fucking line? An, an enigma wrapped in a mystery dropped into the body of a raccoon. That, that thank you, basically. Yeah, Vanitas is the human equivalency of a raccoon on methamphetamines. Yes. <laughs> that escaped from, like, an animal testing facility. Uh, that, mm, yep. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> Fuck you, Dr. Moreau. It's all gonna be great. But yeah, this show. It's all gonna be great. And we're all gonna have a good time. <laughs> what, Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ, Christ was that. <laughs> I spend too much time on TikTok. <laughs> so do I now. Yep. I make TikToks on occasion. It's been very entertaining. I but, like your um, one for Ash's birthday. Anyway, this show. Ash's got your day. Sorry. Uh, yes, this show uh, is a lot. And there's, yeah. a, there's yes. a lot to talk about, so let's just jump right into the dub, because we're here to talk about the dub, uh, like I said, handled over by Funchimation, Crunchimation. I thought you said Frenchimation for a second, Fre- and I was like, On, oh. on, on, Frenchimation! <laughs> I ship it! I ship it FedEx! Funchimation. I why like would, that name. Why would you want to ship a creature that has know. cut open a tiny girl and inhabited her body. That was the first thing that came to mind and flew out of my mouth 
We're gonna put these baguettes away now. This is getting a bit obscene. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just here for the vampires, kids. These people have had not enough blood, apparently, today. I'm tired, and I'm drinking a second cup of coffee so I can get through this. Gigi's like, I've not signed up for this, but I did. But I did. Um, I, signed, I didn't sign up for it, but then but again, I But I think that a, a person I'm about to mention makes the sign-up worth it. Yes. The dub of the case study of Vanitas was directed by one Mr. David Wald. Woo-woo! <sighs> and, der- and, and derided and written by <laughs> one Caitlin Barr. Yay! David Wald, David Wald, you'll know, is the director for The Stranger by the Shore, uh... An episode we haven't done, but I'm pretty sure you guys can guess is coming. Given. Yeah. Eventually. As well as the dub for Bloom Into You over at Sentai. Uh, Caitlin Barr has has, fuck, written! She writes things! uh, For series such as Angels of Death, Black Clover, and Darwin's Game. Ah, yes, Darwin's Game. Oh, that monstrosity. Listen, I put Angels of Death here because that should give you uh, how good comedy horror writing is done oh, for yes. a dub. Um, yes. Let's just get it kicked off. If I recall correctly, I'll start with this. This is the first more action-oriented show that David has directed. He's primarily done romance series, if I'm correct. He might have assisted director on some action shows because I think he assisted director on Comedy, but as a full director. What about Kokoku? Yeah, I was gonna say Kokoku. Oh shit! I forgot about Kokoku. How could you? I haven't watched it, Gigi. That's why. That's not my problem. Just because I own it on on Blu-ray doesn't mean I've taken the time to watch the show. Damn it. Touche. Just like ninety percent of. Our, our shelves here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Gigi would what do you mean you own 300 shelves? Three, almost 300. 300. And you have. You have what if you own. Th- what? Could you own 300 shelves? Sorry, no. What do you mean you own a bunch of shelves? <laughs> Shut up! You don't want to fucking say I need 300 no, no, shelves. I, no, I, I know what you're saying, but I'm just like, I'm now picturing in my head how the fuck can we fit 300 shelves in this apartment? We can't. Very we would carefully. have no bed. <laughs> we would sleep on top of the shelf. It's worth it. Worth it. So. Yes. The the directing and the writing of this show. <laughs> so now that Stephanie's point is totally invalid, let's skip to somebody else. <laughs> Listen. No, she, can still, she can still go. But my, my point still stands. He's primarily done more romance stuff and not a lot of action series. This is my first time watching a show that he's directed where it's more of an action series. And it's very interesting. <laughs> I think the fun thing about um, this show in particular is that I feel like Vanitas scratches an itch I haven't had in years. Mm -hmm. Case Study of Vanitas feels like somebody took a show from the mid-2000s, mid-late 2000s, basically think of like your Full Metal Alchemist, your your Black Butlers, your uh, Soul Eaters, and gives it like a fresh coat of paint it gives it polish Damn. it gives it a nice polish and it scratches that itch that i didn't know i've been missing for a while yeah it's got like the lovely action animation of studio bones and it's directed by a guy from shaft who did a bunch of the monogatari so if there's one oh, thing that was him that makes yes, a I lot don't... of sense for okay, all them fucking shaft sense. head tilts that are in here uh, 
I can't tell you which that's... Monogatari's. I just know he's done a couple of them. And the fact that he di did Monogatari, he's done this, and he's currently doing Call of the Night. Oh, this boy. director really loves him some fucking vampires. I guess so. What a, what a good, amiable person. I think it's funny that you said that because a lot of the time when I was watching this, I felt like I was watching Full Metal Alchemist and Black Butler had a baby. <laughs> Except more thirsty and with vampires. Oh, the show is extremely more thirsty than like, a bunch of those other things. This show has more sexual tension in five second scenes than some etchy anime have in the entire 12 episodes. There... Which, bring, which brings to a very good point. There's a lot of intimate type scenes in this show, and they're very well handled. What? Yeah, Gigi, I think, was going there. Sorry. No, well, I was going to say, like, the casting to me felt very, very old school Funimation. <laughs> like, really? The person who plays Jean Jacques. I was like, oh, I've heard this before. I was like, oh, here it is, fam. They, that one was very specifically done. Like, the, the, the person who plays Chloe. Oh, that's probably very, specifically done. <laughs> very, very <laughs> close to something else I've heard before. I just, that whole arc to me felt very, very old school, but in a new way. And like, before we say anything else, let's get this out of the way. Mm -hmm. How many dub talks have I told you that I have suffered through terrible French pronunciation and accents? <laughs> I was wondering when this was going to come up. It's going to come up now. Um, okay. For those of you who okay. don't know, my mom <laughs> was a French teacher, and I have been ingrained in this language since I was a wee, wee little baby, les enfants, if you will, um, <laughs> to the point where I took it for like eight years or something. So I can understand it and read it and speak it, but like not at all at the same time. So if you ask me to translate something into French for you, I probably can't. But if you show me the titles, like the titles of the episodes were not the French titles that were at the bottom. They found those somewhere else. Anyway, but I have suffered. How long have I suffered? Through probably people, since you first started doing this podcast. Through people who cannot pronounce the word non correctly. For people who don't know what an accent aigu is. Mm -hmm. For people who can't say French words with a French accent correctly. And Caitlin Barr has not only sprinkled them through the dub in places that work with correct translations of them, but I don't know if David Wald got everybody a fucking French tutor or what, but there were maybe two instances in the whole 24 episodes where something was slightly off. But everybody else had like perfect French, French enunciation, perfect French pronunciation of all of the French words and phrases that were in there. And for that, mwah, le chef kiss. I feel bizou, like bizou, bizou. Yeah, I feel like David's the reason why it works so well, to be honest with you. Oh. I can actually vouch for that because I remember uh, the interview with Zeno uh, Robinson we did back in Anime NYC. He actually mentioned that uh, David was very particular about pronunciations for a mm, couple of scenes, right. including the specific way he was asked to say to say genre. Thank you. That that's another one. Like a couple of people didn't get it sometimes, but Zeno did it right every time. And like, uh French vampires are sexy. <laughs> 
So I want to like genuinely like I watched a, a lot a little bit of this in the subtitle and it did not have as much charm as the dub did. Nor did it have, I think, the explosive charisma mm. that this the dub has. The like Gigi like kind of brings up how it feels like an old school Funimation dub cast, and I do kind of feel that in a lot of the supporting characters. But I do think that they were a little bit risky with some of the leads, yeah. And bringing in a, a couple of folks who were actually more known for working with Sentai. Oh, cool! Oh, hundred percent. I was actually going to bring that up myself. Then they were with Funimation. And Um, and names that don't frequently cross over into the Dallas pool. Yes. For instance, there's no Adam Gibbs in here, for example, because he's the main one. He's one of the ones recently that has crossed over. I mean, and then, I I mean, there are some that cross over into both. We're not talking about them particularly, but like Karbowski and Lucy Gershon are in No, I know. I'm just saying like in Um, terms of most recent memory, he's the big one that's crossed over. Yeah, and the other the other big one I think that's crossed over is in this. Mm. Um, and we'll get to them next. But I I think the one thing that really works for this is the charisma and the chemistry. Mm. Because that's one of the things that you don't really get to talk about with um a lot of shows that are uh this show is what I like to call capital H horny. <laughs> and it sounds it sounds stupid. But hear me out. As anime fans, there's a lot of stuff that is very ultra-sexual shoved in your face. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is stuff that is just etchy, where it's, wow, white bread Mc- McMayo here has seen cheese sticks breasticles. <laughs> like, the guy has fallen into her, her boobies, or... Mm-hmm. He's found her. He's found her panties, or he's walked in on her naked, and like the whole thing is, wow, it's so funny and haha horny that he saw boobs, and you're supposed to be titillated by that. Mm-hmm. And look, if it gets you off, I'm not gonna say anything about that. Like you do you, um, your fetish is your fetish, and I'm not here to fetish shame you. I'm here to criticize people who make this who take the cheap way out and making stuff super sexual this show i think the only time you ever see anybody close to like having their tits out is jean in her nightgown and she's naked at one point mm-hmm. and there are more intimately romantic and horny bite bite moments that are very much the vampire metaphor for let's get it on. Mm-hmm. Um, that that happen, that have, like, very sexual moanings and grunts and just, like, the music and the breath work from the actors and how they're directed is, like... <sighs> that was the most disgusting noise I've ever heard. <laughs> That's like that one guy's uh, fucking sex music of noise. Yeah. Okay, that's 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 the timestamp. Okay. Sean <laughs> and Vani toss alone at night in that uh, cabin with that music. Oh jeez. Oh my god. Okay. That's a mood killer for both of them. Let's be real. <laughs> I I disagree. I would say <laughs> they have a very classical symphonic orchestra that's them plowing in the streets. Oh Jesus. 
If anything, that's the soundtrack for white for uh, white vanilla toast Ichi stuff. <laughs> You're right. But no, like, being able to, to get that out of your actors is a sign of really good direction. Mm-hmm. Because it never felt forced. That was some good non-forced nom-noms. <laughs> I've said non-forced before that David Wald makes good kissing noises. Now he makes good vampire slurping noises. Nom- Nom nom. Vampire. The correct scientific term is now vampire nom noms. Yeah. <laughs> I will not argue against that, but I think, I think the more correct way to say this potentially is David Wald is very good at directing intimacy. That's I what I meant. Argue, I would yeah. argue. That's he what is I meant. But the phrase. The but the phrase at directing intimacy. But Bar the none. phrase vampire nom noms. I like <laughs> nom. we will call it vampire nom noms. I love it. But for the folks at home <laughs> who are who like don't unfuck. For the folks at home who need the Megan to English dictionary. Yes. <laughs> but no, I really like the directing on this, and I do really want to kind of bridge Andrew and and Gigi's point of this really does have the feeling of a um old school Funimation dub with new paint. Like how the show feels like an old school, an old school, like mid 2000s action anime with new paint. Mm-hmm. Are we all good to move on to our first set of characters? I mean, I, mean, I, I was just going to go into the oh. whole point about you were mentioning the whole bringing in people from Sentai. I actually kind of wanted to say it, it felt like when Dur- and David was directing at Sentai Studios, actually, it felt like him working with the Houston cast, but also calling in a bunch of his friends and contacts from the Dallas side. And I feel like Vanitas is fun because it's a remote recording situation. So you've got people from all over, including like the California Spear. Mm-hmm. But it mm-hmm. also feels like the inverse of his Sentai directing projects where he's bringing in a bunch of Houston friends, some of which are either not regularly in Funimation Dallas stuff or maybe have never pulled up in any of those things and giving them some really interesting roles. So I'm staring at one right in my face right now in that first group. And a lot of what I want to say continues on into a lot of these characters and sections, but all I can say is fuck is this dub absolutely batshit incredible. TLDR, direction, writing, fucking impeccable. Magnifique. Très magnifique. 20 out of 10. <laughs> With vampire nom yes. nom again. Yep. <laughs> I'm getting a fucking vampire nom nom shirt out of this aren't I? I want one. <laughs> Hardy. Yes! I can, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna message Val <laughs> and get some please, artwork. Please. Y'all gotta send me your favorite your favorite anime vampires and we're gonna get them with some cake or something and it's gonna say vampire nom nom. Nom nom. Yes, I love that. Oh hell yeah. Anyway. Andrew gets a shirt, too. Yes. <laughs> it's got to be pink, though. Sorry. All right. It's whatevs. All right. Uh, damn it. I was going to say, if we were doing the section after this, we could we could tie it into the pink, but we're not. Um, <laughs> oh, damn. Dr. Moreau is clearly a reference to the island of Dr. Moreau. He kidnaps children and experiments on them, mostly being the titular Vanitas, a.k.a. Let's get it out of our system. I'm ready. I'm ready. Number 69. Nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. 
It's, it's less nice when you realize, oh, this is human experimentation. Yeah. Every, and very every time, dramatic. every time, number 69, boyfriend would say, nice. <laughs> nice. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, but he, he was working with the Chassés, who are essentially, uh, nobody expects the French Inquisition. And then they found out he was experimenting on uh, Vanitas in number 71 uh, to infuse them with blue blood of the vampire of the blue moon who is essentially the anti-vampire that everybody hates, mm-hmm. uh, to open up two clockwork grimoires. Uh, when that experiment happened, the vampire of the blue moon, otherwise known as Luna, came and stopped it, killing everybody but Dr. Moreau, and essentially getting asked to be rescued by number 71, whose name is Mikhail, or Misha if you're cool with him. He is Vanitas's quote-unquote little brother, and he's got a lot of unhinged feelings about dad being gone. Quite a uh, few characters are a bit unhinged, but that's Everybody in this point. show has parental issues. Mm-hmm. Essentially, Mikhail ends up, in the last act of the series, uh, kidnapping and hypnotizing Domi in a way to get uh, Noe to bite Vanitas to expose his secret to the day of why Vanitas killed their father, a.k.a. Luna, who's actually just non-binary. They go by they, them pronouns in all of the media. Uh, and essentially, they want to bring them back to life. So playing Dr. Moreau is Scott Gibbs. Fuck you, that's not Scott Gibbs. It is Scott Gibbs, and he's still hot. I I, I know it is. I'm just Okay, like, oh. Gigi. It- he's still hot? <laughs> Do you know? Oh, you clearly have never listened to to me talking about how hot Scott Gibbs is. No, uh, I will say something funny when we start talking about them, though. Now, we don't have time to unpack all that. (laughs) Um, Playing the vampire of the blue moon is Marissa Lenti. And playing Mikhail is Bryson Boggess. Uh, Scott Gibbs, you'll know for a lot more of his work over at Sentai, being uh, time to ruin everybody's day if you've never... If you've now realized at this moment in time that Scott Gibbs was Dr. Moreau, uh, was Tobio Kageyama in the Haikyuu franchise, Satoshi Ishiki in Food Wars, and Jota Kizuki in Run with the Wind. Marissa Lenti is characters like Ilse Longar in the Attack on Titan OVA Ilse's, uh, Ilse's Notebook and Attack on Titan Junior High, Yuriko Hori in Horimiya, and Yuzu Roromori in The Ones Within. Bryson Vegas, uh, a lot more of you guys would know for his work at Sentai, but with Funimation, Bryson has been characters such as Falco Grease in Attack on Titan, the final series, uh, Mitsuru in Darling in the Franks, for everybody wondering, man, I forgot Darling in the Franks. Who's Mitsuru? Mitsuru is the guy whose uh, partner cheats on him with another girl, and then he has to marry them. That's him, right? What? I don't know. Oh, no, wait. Which no, that's... Her? Oh, Mitsuru was the, the guy one. doing the fucking. Mitsuru's yes. the one that, yeah, that. that God. Mitsuru's the one who did the deed the fu- and got a girl pregnant. Pregnant. Oh I God. had sex once and now a girl is pregnant. Yeah. I got, I got, I got him confused with uh Futoshi. Oh, that's um. That's another. That's Blake. That's, that's Blake Shepard. That's right. That's. Yeah, poor Blake Shepard's character. And he's also Izumi and Shikamori is not just a cutie. Isn't just a cutie. Mm-hmm. So where do we get begin with this box of tragedies? Did you okay. know that Bryson played another vampire? How could we forget? <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. He's in Diabolic Lovers. My apologies. Thank you. 
<laughs> okay, so I'm just gonna start off with this and say, while they have the least screen time, mm -hmm. how in the actual fuck is that Marissa Lenti? That is the deepest vocal register I think I have ever heard from their work, and it's kind of incredible, but also equally ethereal. Yes. And almost alien, but with a level of warmth, sincerity, and charm I really was not expecting from this character. Oh yeah, it adds a little touch to the Vampire of the Blue Moon. I also just think, like, it's very fascinating seeing this character dealing with the, uh, the fact that these children were forced to be related to them through against their will and dealing with the fact Megan I'm, Megan I'm gonna steal something you told me earlier they are not the stepdad they are the dad that stepped up they are a warm paternal figure that really was there for them in their time of need mm -hmm. and it's actually kind of heartbreaking watching um her talk to baby Vanitas I wasn't sure if you were going to mention this earlier about who played Baby Vanitas and Baby Mikhail. I I was going to say who them when I talked about Mikhail and stuff. Fair but yeah, enough. no, Baby Baby Vanitas is Jeremy Lee and Baby Mikhail is Steph Garrett. Which my God, just absolutely one episode performance from Jeremy absolutely broke my heart to see that kid has been through so much, and they were just kind of always like that. But it's also really funny watching. It turned out, oh, I usually hate the, oh, pretty girl is bad at cooking. But it's it's a lot more charming when it's this ethereal, mystical creature who is just bad at cooking. And then, like, gets really salty that the kids are saying their cooking sucks. And then chucks the spoons down. <laughs> and then pouts. a little pissy fit. It's great. And then vines up... <laughs> I am not bound to any gender. Legitimately blown away by, like, this warm, deep kindness that Lenti puts into Luna in particular. I enjoyed it, too. Yeah, like you, like you said, it's very ethereal, very, like, otherworldly. And, yeah, I don't recall ever hearing Lenti go in that, to that deep of a tone before. So, it's a nice touch. <laughs> Am I a boy? Am I a girl? Who knows? But everyone finds me hot, and that makes everyone gay. Damn Luna. right. <laughs> no, I, I knew it was Lenti, uh, not because I looked at the, the script, but, like, I could tell by the voice. And I think that Lenti really does do a great job in such a small moment, because it does feel so... It feels like a character who is very tired and just very much wants to live in peace and find a way, and, like, is just very okay with their life and the life that they found. I think having those kids really kind of brings it, brings them to a new place. And that's why I think the scene with Mikhail in the bed where they're like, I could make you my kin. And Vanitas, and Vanitas, Van, Vanitas doesn't want it. Vanitas wants to die as themselves. And you can hear the understanding in their voice, knowing that, that's okay with them i guess and also when they die how they want i guess in the same way they wanted the same thing as vanitas to die as themselves because yeah. their name their true name was being taken and they were going to turn into a monster that's a big thing in this 
all vampires have a name and a true name, and if the true name becomes corrupted, they go fucking batshit. Mm-hmm. And terrible things happen. So no, I I genuinely liked what little part of what little even what little of what Lenti was in the show, and so was Luna. I really liked it. Made a big p- impact for a short time on screen, but mm-hmm. was a very wonderful addition to the series. Lenti is now everyone's daddy. Welcome. <laughs> uh, that was really good. I'm here for it. I didn't know it was them. And even after looking at the BTVA, I didn't know it was them. And I was just like, excuse me? That's amazing. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's crazy? kind of inspired casting. Really, really liked that. <sighs> the daddy who's named after the cat from Sailor Moon. Like, I'm down. Chris was like, you know Luna's the name of the moon, right? I said, don't take this from me. Don't take this from me. And other things that Chris has said, he said, wow, who plays Dr. Moreau? Is that David Wald? To which I said, absolutely not. You know, I'm David Wald is a Stolfo's dad. I found I'm you. Gonna, I'm going to be real with you. Rewatching this show again, I actually do hear a lot of like vocal ticks and mm-hmm. quirks in like a lot of more exaggerated David Wall performances in Scott Gibbs Moreau. So yeah. I kind of get where Chris is coming I from. I get it, but the vocal tone is totally different. It just makes It's a little too it's a little too young. It it makes it really like interesting to listen to. Moreau is such a bad guy. It kind of reminded me of uh when Scott Gibbs was in Devil's Line. Anybody remember that shit show? Oh, oh yeah, Hans. Um, Johan, right? Han or something. Johan, I don't Hans. know. Something like that. Yeah. Shit, I okay, don't know. I have a question. Is that the one that jerked off in the stairway? No, that's that the other brother. Well, Got they may not, not be related. I really did. We ever They're find not. that out? It doesn't matter. They're not. Adam but Gibbs. no, Adam. Adam Gibbs. Okay, look, Scott Gibbs usually doesn't play emo boys. That's Adam's job. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is true. Adam. Adam's. In, Adam was the one who let all of his little swimmers go to the black parade in the hallway. <laughs> this is where the we're going out into the hallway joke emerged and had then died, and now we're bringing it back like four years later. Deep cut. Don't worry. Yes. Some. That's don't a... worry. Don't worry. It's always with the vampire shows that the hallway. Will... The hallways hey, come with the vampires. Hallway. Ch- hallway Chan will always be there for the vampires. <laughs> Hallway Chan is just a different. Co- it's just Truckcoon in a different form at the stage. So no, no Truckcoon's a serial killer. Hallway Coon's a slut. <laughs> That's what I mean. We're manifesting Hallway Coon as something like we did Truckcoon. I'm Watch trying it. to figure out where the <laughs> fuck to even go with this. Usually I'm ready. Usually I'm ready for this, but even now I kind of just like I don't even how know. About, how about I help a little? <laughs> um, when I watch first... out, watch out, watch out, young men with libido. One day you might be walking, and out of the corner of your eye, a hallway will be there to lure you. There will be <laughs> lipstick on the wall. You think, wow, that's kind of sexy. Maybe I should go check out that graffiti over there. Oh graffiti no it is the lips of hallway chan ready to devour <laughs> you at any moment Gigi, what the fuck are you talking about isn't that just a glory hole i don't know scott gibbs is really hot he's also really good in this and it creeped me the fuck out so bravo scott gibbs i'm sorry i should i should really stop saying that he's hot because if i ever talk to him in person he'll be you're like oh gonna, you're that girl who keeps calling me hot hole. 
You were digging your hole. I will say this, though. For, like, I want to give this as a compliment just to the show and the series of Case Study of Vanitas. Dr. Moreau is the doofiest fucking character in the show. Mm -hmm. He is the straight, he is straight up New Age Shao, Shao motherfucking Tucker. Yeah. And, and he is doofy and he's goofy and he's, he's like a Looney Tune. And yet, I was more threatened by him than anybody else in this show. I'm I'm gonna be honest. It's really a strength to the series in itself that he is basically as eccentric of a mad scientist as can be, and he's also fucking horrifying. Absolutely like, fucking horrifying. His entire conversation when he was, and I gotta give Scott credit because I think uh. I think a worse performance would have leaned too hard into the camp. Mm. But Scott was able to draw the line between camp, creepy, and threatening all at once. In, like, the way that... It, it's like watching... It's like... Okay, it's a weird comparison, but if you've ever watched... Who here's watched the Maiden Abyss movie? I yes. have. Are you saying he's kind of no, like... Um... Don't spoil it for me. I won't spoil any any of the names, but he has very much the same level of moralic understanding as the main villain in that movie. Mm. His stuff is childishly done. He's the child playing... He thinks that he's basically playing with dolls. Yeah. And, like, it's only at that moment where he's like, Yeah, so you guys might be vegetables, but uh, that's, a, that's a loss I'm willing to take. No one's missing you. And Scott just delivers it perfectly. I, I just think there's also this kind of... One of the most fascinating things to me is watching his relationship with Vanitas. Specifically, the fact that Vanitas knows how to play his game. And he basically knows, oh, if I just stroke your ego off, you're gonna give me everything I need to know. And he falls for hook, line, and sinker. But he also used that as a defensive mechanism to protect Mikhail and put himself in harm's way. Which makes the whole scene all the more unsettling and uncomfortable as you see Noe finally just give up and be like, Oh, you're a fucking garbage piece of shit. I'm gonna fucking throw you. But Scott is absolutely insane, crazy, goofy, and absolutely fucking threatening as fuck. It's an impressive tour de force all around. Great, great job and inspired. I, I, when I first watched the first half of this show, I had a whole this is bullshit moment in a good way. I couldn't figure out for a hot second who was voicing Dr. Moreau. And then I was like, wait, I feel like I know this voice. Where have I heard this voice before? And we looked at it and we see Scott's name attached. And I'm like, Fuck you, that's not him. <laughs> like, fuck you, that's not him. But then it keeps going, and it's like, I could hear, it's, I could hear those vocal tics that I, like, once I knew it was Scott, I could hear those vocal tics that I'm very familiar with, with a Scott Gibbs performance, um, which helped me out. But fuck you, that was nuts. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think, though, one of the things I'm actually surprised about was that Unlike another character who's around, I would say, the same-ish age and is also male, I'm actually surprised they went with a, a male actor for um, Mikhail. Oh, okay, that's where we're going with this. 
I didn't really see I I really didn't see that them doing doing that and I actually think it works like Bryson plays a lot of very good sunshine boys and he does thank you for bringing up diabolic lovers because if I'm right he played the kind of uh mood swingy baby vampire in that yeah the right? blonde idol one mm-hmm. yep yes so, but I think that McHale's Unhinged is a lot more different than that because it's it's very much McHale is unhinged from the moment you meet him. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole scene where he's talking about the vampire who killed his prostitute mother and like even fucking Roland takes a step back for a second is like wait a minute. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. that was really uncomfortable. That was Steph Garrett doing it, but, like, I think Steph nailed it. But for me, I think the thing that really got me about Bryson's performance is that, like, you can tell that he's undone, but you can tell it's not he's undone from a place of, like, genuine malice, but from being manipulated. Yes. That he is nothing more than a scared little kid. Because the next episode, after everything ends, and he shows up on the rooftop to talk to to Vanitas about what really happened to their father, and he just, Bryson's, like, child wailing just absolutely broke me. And then, just, like, the whiplash of him going, okay, I'm done, I'm leaving, fuck you. Um, (laughs) Yes. On his robot dog. On his robot dog. I I, I love this as a steampunk show, too, by the way. I also really like his delivery of how he likes Domi because Domi was the only one who was kind to him during all of it. Yes. And you just feel really bad. And I think Bryson did a good job bringing out the pathos that Misha slash Mikhail is supposed to bring. And I, I genuinely kind of really, I know this last year in particular has really been, uh, I think a breakout for people who haven't seen shows like Haikyuu where Bryson does really, really good work, but, like, unfortunately, as much as Haikyuu is very popular, it's also not Attack on Titan, and I think that Bryson's really broken out again this year because of that, and I think that this also shows why he is such a strong, dramatic actor, because he really got to walk that razor's edge where a character like Mikhail can go from pathos inducing to just being a cart like an over-the-top cartoon if it's not done right i i absolutely think mikhail is so strange so alien creepy i'm not sure alien but it's just there is just something about mikhail that is so sweet but also so unnerving it's got like this mikhail's level of creepy is like Friendly death cult creepy. Where it's basically that level of, like, honest, like friendliness, kindness, greeting you with a smile. They're happy to lend you an ear, hear you about the day. But they're also willing to show you about who their god is, tell you that they will set you free, and that you're gonna go on a journey if you drink this Kool-Aid. That level of, like, deranged unassuming like smile sinister smile that does that make sense does any of that make sense you seen the trailer for that movie smile no no oh my god you need 
you need to look it up after this, but there's a movie called Smile and it's coming out uh, either the end of this month or in October. And that's what Mikhail reminds me of. It's but I think just creepy Ma- as shit. But I think Mikhail is so, like, I think Bryson as Mikhail is so fucking fascinating. And you're, you're absolutely right, Megan. It so easily could have towed a line if it was not done with tact and respect. And I absolutely think Bryson makes him unnerving, uncomfortable. But also when you see him absolutely lose it and basically throw a tantrum when he doesn't get his way and he doesn't get to see his big brother kill his new bestie. And he just throws, like, what is basically a violent tantrum and corrupts himself. And it's it's a real tour de force in a show that's already got a lot of unique tour de force performances. But I absolutely think this is one of the most unique, uncomfortable Bryson roles I've ever heard. And it's fucking great. I will say that for, like, the first couple minutes, I thought it was Justin Briner doing a baby Deku voice. And I was like, please stop. But once I found out it wasn't Justin Briner, I was like, okay, we can we can go on with our lives now. Um, this is just creepy. It was weird. I don't care for the villains that are like little children and like I don't know, like the voice in this was just so baby. You know how we joke, like, oh, she's baby, he's baby. Like, no, this was actual baby. And I was kind of really taken aback by the contrast between how crazy that Misha could be and then how uh, how whining and crying and like no he's literally got the mind of a child in however old he is now so yep. it was just very yeah, unsettling yeah a little bit yeah considering <laughs> considering how uh Mikhail was brought up before he was taken in by the Chaussees and then Dr. Moreau yeah, yeah before um, we before we got human experimentation we got the stuff with his mom and it's like woo, we don't have to, yeah that's yeah. that's we don't, have, mm. we don't got time to unpack all that <laughs> No, we're we're leaving that suitcase over by baggage claim at TSA. Uh, but mm-hmm. but Bryson did. I'm sorry, Delta has lost your luggage. <laughs> it's in true. this case probably for the best. Air Canada yes. has said no. No no. <laughs> no monsieur. No no monsieur. F- Air France has dumped your luggage into the Atlantic Ocean. Oh my god. But <laughs> Bryson was really good. Like, uh, I just, I want to say like, oh my god, all these people were so good at their jobs because shocker, they were. But no, I think I'm ready to go to the next if y'all are. I am. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So, s- speaking of uh, the Chasseurs, let's talk about them. They are uh, the quintessential uh members of the church in France because you know Catholics. Uh they 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 run the catacombs, you know that thing under France where they just happen to have a bunch of skulls in a hallway. As you do. As you do as a developed nation. Ooh. Um, it's really Ooh. it's really cool down there. You guys need to go at one point. It is actually really cool and I'm very mad that the one time I went to Paris I didn't get to go because um the line was too long and we had a train to Amsterdam. Oh man. Like I will tell you guys, if you ever get a chance to go back and go, you should go. But damn that walk up those stairs almost killed me. There's like 1500 fucking stairs. And I was like literally done man, by the time I got to the me, top and no elevator. Oh, me who, me who fucking has a struggle walking up the New York subway. <laughs> I was like, I have six steps to go up to my apartment. 
sobbing the entire no i'm just joking guys no you should totally go and looks nothing like what they showed in the anime so yeah there's a lot more skulls it's awesome <laughs> i was gonna say let's everybody guys let's save up to to fly on uh la premiere on air france and go to paris uh anyway so let's talk about them first up is the chevalier uh the the i forget what gem call it what, what gemstone what crystal gem Roland is. Is it emerald? He has green eyes and he has blonde hair. I don't know. What is this about emeralds? No, because all of the, uh, all of the, um, the chasseurs have, uh, the gemstone color. Oh, I remember? missed that. No, I actually yes. don't remember that. The role. Yeah. He's the role. I'm sorry. He's, he's the Roland of Jasper. Okay. Um, he is essentially the, the, the nicest of the chasseurs who kind of ends up taking a liking to Vanitas and Noe. Um, he also believes in the you that believes, uh, believes in the you that believes in him, therefore making him Catholic Kamina. <laughs> oh my it. God. And next up, we have uh, Roland's uh, boss slash uh, very annoyed and very uh, underpaid, underpaid boyfriend. I mean, boss. Uh, the Olivier of Obsidian, whose name is, well, Olivier. He's overworked, underpaid, and done with Roland's bullshit. Yeah. And finally, we have Alstofo Granitum, known as Astolfo of Garnet. He is also a chasseur who's got a couple of things wrong. He's and working through some things. He's working through some stuff. Uh, and if you're wondering, man, Japan really likes to name pink-haired little French bitches Alstofo. I don't what? believe this one's packing a monster can, though, to be honest. <laughs> oh my god, why did you have to say that? Megan, Megan, of course I'm gonna say that. JJ and Steph are like, I have no idea what's happening. Yep, we're just chilling right now. Don't worry Look, I know, I know what Astolfo's are. No, do you know what the monster can thing is? No. No. Don't worry about it. Cool, I'll be here googling French words. <laughs> no. Oh, also, by the way, all of the Chasseurs are named after, uh, they're all named after uh, one of the Knights of Charlemagne, who are a big, uh, big Christian French mythos. Um, oh, okay. Got Charlemagne it. was real. Doesn't mean they can't make up stories about Charlemagne and make fictional friends for Charlemagne. Fate is fun historical fanfiction. Gigi, Charlemagne needs his OCs. Oh my god. Uh, Roland is played by Rico Fajardo, Alstofo is played by Brandon McGinnis, and Olivier is played by Christopher Wakeham. Rico Fajardo, you know his characters such as Zane in The Duke of Death and His Maid, Kira Rockne in Golden Kamui, and Takaru Goda in Surrey Dure Children. Brandon McGinnis, you'll know his characters such as Gin Asakiri in Dr. Stone, Alan Lemire in Joker Game, and Al Lyon, who is also French, in Opera Roman. Christopher Wakeham, you'll know his characters such as Helmut Felt in Bem, Tenka Kumo and Laughing Under the Clouds and Mac and Megalobox 2 Nomad. Uh, I guess I'll start with Olivier and get him out of the way. Good God, Chris Christopher Wakeamp is just using his dad voice. It is just his dad it's voice. It's his dad voice. It's great. It's so good, though. Again, he's done with Roland's bullshit, like, all the time. I mean, to be fair, I'd also be done with Roland's bullshit yeah. if I had to put up with Roland all the goddamn time. I'm not mad about it. This is like my daddy vision, this fucking anime shit. 
He's, like, a, just, he's definitely a handsome looking gentleman, he, for sure. Also, he has a fucking chainsaw sword. Yeah, yeah that, that was awesome. That's pretty fucking metal, yeah. Can we talk about the fucking chainsaw sword? Because when I saw that, I was like, is that a fucking chainsaw? That's what I said. I didn't see, I didn't notice it at first, and Andrew looks at him, he's like, yep, that is indeed a chainsaw. I had actually forgotten he had a chainsaw, but I was like, hey, good for That's him. That's like his one characteristic, other than he looks good in a top hat, is he has a chainsaw. He's got a couple of really fun interactions with Roland, mm-hmm. but to me, the, the like the big scene with Olivier is um, Vanitas's. I'm sorry, Vincent's romantic <laughs> problems, yes. and he's just kind of just out to. He's just out for coffee and scones with with his boy Roland, and then they're just like just see him, and it's like, oh hey, uh, you want to care to join us? And then he's like, you Vincent. Can tell- you can tell Vincent's desperate when he sits down to talk to Roland for advice. Because Roland, uh, not Roland, Vincent does not, aka Vonnie does, does not like Roland one fucking bit. He is the antithesis to everything he likes. And yes. he is basically just, it's basically watching one of those edgelord introverts deal with the most extroverted camp counselor yes. known to man. And it's very funny. But anyways, uh, Olivier's contributions is that, oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm great with ladies. I've had a couple of ladies before. I've taken a few. It's uh, it's all good. I'm more than happy to listen yes. to some advice. This should be fun. I love Roland. I love it. Women throw themselves at Olivier. All the ladies in the audience. Gee, I wonder why. And then it kind of turned out <laughs> he was he was smart enough to pick up. Is that the fucking blue moon guy and his Roland, vampire that, friend? Roland, that's Vonnie Toss, isn't it? He's like, oh, you got me. He's like, ah, no. Roland, don't fucking lie to me, dude. Roland's got the worst poker face, but Roland. I think... Roland hanging out with Olivier is like watching the Sandman... Watching uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman hang out with Regina George. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, no, I think uh, Waycamp does a great job. For sure, I definitely want to save my personal favorite of this trio for last. Yeah, we'll let we'll let Andrew talk about them last because I know they're Andrew's favorite character. So I I, I want to say I think actually one of my favorite scenes for Waycamp's Olivier is actually his introduction. Uh, well, no, no. Roland, what the fresh hells have you gotten us into this time? No, no, that's not the right. Not no, that's not it. When um he visits Roland in like the secret library thing, and Roland's doing some research, and uh, Olivier is essentially just like, you shouldn't be looking into things that you don't, you should not know about, because you're gonna cause some issues. And Roland's like, I haven't touched anything of the secret tomes. And this actually is a really good scene for Rico as well, because he subtly threatens Olivier, and it's the greatest shit in the world. Hey, hey, Olivier, how many paladins do you think I could take Mm -hmm. in a fight, right? Yeah. In a fight, right? In a fight, right? Uh, I I think my favorite, literally my favorite line from Olivier is, uh, what in the fresh hells have you gotten us into this time? Yes. Uh, but man, so let's talk about, uh... So yeah, I knew that that was Brandon immediately because it's also very much akin to his uh, Gen voice. Yeah, uh, that is very much his Gen from Doctor Stone voice. But holy bejeebles! He, you thought all the Demon Slayer is over here just sauntering in the corner with his unhingedness, and <laughs> it goes into a stuff of a touch. This is 
this is definitely like the higher range of Brandon's register, but also like Holy absolute like trauma screams. <laughs> also, shout out to I believe it's Amber Lee Connors as Baby Gen. It, it is Amber Lee Gone. As Baby Astolfo, yeah. As Baby Astolfo, you said Baby Gen. Baby Astolfo, my bad. My bad. Yes. But like, good god almighty, just. Also, by the way, you want to know who that little boy vampire was? Oh, he t Andrew told me, and I couldn't believe it. Gigi, do you have a guess on who that was? What little boy vampire? The, the, the one who's like, the one who's, the like, the one who's like, um, oh, don't your friends say that name? Alstofo, Alstofo, the one that killed all of his family? Oh, 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 I don't know who it is. That's Jamie Markey. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, is that fucking wild? That's awesome. Yeah, I could hear it a little bit once the mask drops. But I was still like, holy shit, though. Oh, Man, shit. like, just, just Brandon's action screams. Oh, my God. Especially at the higher register. Like, Alstofo has to play, like, this un is this, like, definitely more unhinged. And I'll be real with you. It's a lot more of a complicated character than the Demon Slayer one is. Just having to deal with his own biases. And even though Noe isn't trying to hurt him, his just unbridled rage at all vampires being evil because one tricked him and took away his family. But man, that part I think that kills me about Gen is when, is when after the battle and after everything with Chloe and Jean-Jacques, where Roland finds him. Mm-hmm. And he just immediately age regresses to the child that Roland found. Yes. That day where he's just like, you have to save my sister. Please just save my... And it's just... It's a lot of what I liked out of Bryson's Mikhail. Just that, like, that moment where you're like, wow. Alstofo really hasn't lived past that day. Yeah. He's trapped in the past. And I think that's a thing for a lot of characters in this. The theme of just being attached. The trauma of their past being what prevents them from moving forward and growing as people. Mm -hmm. But like, good God, Brandon does a lot in that. And he's just got like, that originally that very cheery smile. And it's like, aww. Aww, look at the baby. To... Spongebob, why is that in a cage? It growled at me, sir. <laughs> I, I say Gyutaro from Demon Slayer is hiding in the corner because Gyutaro is an interesting en enigma in and of itself. I always find it terrifying when an actor that I'm used to almost their natural tone of voice or similar to that tone of voice going completely unhinged and it gets terrifying. This is what happened with Brandon. <laughs> for me because <laughs> like again having watched entertainment district arc for demon slayer and seeing gyutaro that one i'm more amazed with what the fuck he did with that sure but astolfo ended up being more terrifying if that makes sense for sure for sure because of just like it's just like oh no oh no <laughs> this poor boy <laughs> oh no <laughs> like ugh. Everybody, everybody has fucking family problems. It's ridiculous. It's it's a it's a lot. It's a lot. But yeah, I I do adore that whole scene after the the battle, the dust has settled, and he had his violent duel with Noe, which felt like a very nice thematical 
uh, challenge for Noe to overcome is how do you reason with somebody who cannot be reasoned with? Yes. Which is which was a very satisfying to see him overcome that fight. And then to realize, yeah, Astolfo is the traumatized victim who has still not made it past the day he was saved by Frollet. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about with Demon Slayer. I was just like, wow, Brandon McGinnis is like losing his fucking mind. And you love it. I do. Not that I love to hear him scream in pain, but at the same time, I was like, I bet he's having a good time today. He's doing, he does a very good job at screaming in pain and agony. <laughs> yes. I was like, this dude, he gonna drink some tea after this shit. But uh, no, no, it was really good. <laughs> I don't know. I found Estelfo just like at the end of the first half of this when they bumped into him on the train and he was named. And I was like, oh shit, he's gonna be important because they just named him in the closed captions. Um, but I, I didn't think, oh, damn it. He's not thug a, yeah. (laughs) Vampire 08 B, you know, uh, guys, I, this is how I watch closed captions with the dub on just to make sure that my shit is correct. Uh, it's honestly not a bad bad way to approach it either way. Also, I'm like super deaf sometimes, but. Um, no, he did a fantastic job. I mean, like, I think the last time I heard Brandon McGinnis was in Gymnastic Samurai, which is a total, oh yeah, total 360 from what this is. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was really good. He, like, Estelfo, like, all these, I think all the villains in here had to have such a duality to them because they all have these tragic backstories um but he did a really good job of flipping between like the the trauma and the i'm gonna kill you sucker so bravo again um is it time to talk about andrew's husband why 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 do you like him okay okay he's not even my husband i think roland is genuinely one of the most fascinating characters in the show i truly truly do and a lot of this has to do with the fact that his introduction is so striking because they very much are establishing oh this is a dude who's kind of a weirdo who's very into god he's into the god stuff but like when they're sneaking into the catacombs he just kind of sneaks up behind them he's into the god stuff aka you know called being a christian um Okay, some of them are more into it than others, and a lot of them like to play around with what is or isn't Fair. Christian. That's a story for another day. Anyways, Roland well, just- We're also talking to the Jewish boy over here, too. Fair. I've also been on the internet and read news, just saying. Uh, anyway. Anyways, uh, blasphemy aside, Roland! Um, I love his introduction because he just kind of sneaks up behind them in the catacombs and he, he, you was, you're not sure if he knows that they're there or not, if the, but he kind of makes this like unassuming presence and you can kind of feel it in the fact that like v- Vanitas is freaked out that this dude's pretty fucking strong. And then he's just talking about, oh yeah, this is, this is the trophy room. This is all of the vampires that all of these retired legendary chasseurs have killed. That's all the ones on the, on the thing. And then 
as he's walking them through, kind of establishes his dominance, throws Vanitas in a fucking cage, and then is ready to kill Noe because he's a vampire, and vampires gotta fucking die. Mm -hmm. Rico as Roland is fascinating. He's this, he's genuinely this cheery, like, holier-than-thou, goofy, eccentric person. Like, he is wearing his heart on his sleeve, and you think this is a dude who's unassuming and uncaring. No, Roland is calculating, he is cunning, and he is way more observant than he lets on. He's got this very silly persona that he's kind of like this passionate god guy, but no, he's actually the real fucking deal. The strongest thing about Roland is not just that he believes in God. He believes in himself as God's servant. Which basically means he does not hate himself. He loves himself so much that he believes he is going to get the job done. And Rico exudes this level of strength, charm, and kind of terror into him when you see, oh, he really thinks he could kill all these people if they crossed him. It's also just kind of fun watching him befriend Noe after Noe is basically arguing with Vanitas like god fucking damn it we can talk to them they're not our enemies we're trying to track somebody else Roland is probably one of the few people especially among the chasseurs who is more open-minded and it extent and it's not from actual malice it's just he had been taught up his entire life vampires are evil and to be exterminated and then he meets a cool one that yeets a guy at him punches him and then is like hi my name's no way can we be friends and trade information i think i can help you if you can help me and then he's just like oh okay oh why didn't you say so in the first place and then he just becomes like a, a consistent ally to them but I think Roland is just this... Okay, I didn't want to say this. Roland is Catholic Mirio Togato. God damn it, there it is. He's got oh that my same... God. He's got that same, like, big brother energy to him that Mirio does. He's got the same level of, like, goofiness and, like, playing the role of the fool as a strategy to catch his opponent off guard when he's actually a fucking strategical genius and is a schemer and has the strength to back it up. No, I'm just kind of rambling at this point. I think Roland's genuinely a fucking fascinating foil in a show like this, and I think he is... He's the anti-Vanitas. He is everything that Vanitas hates in a person because he is loud, boisterous, holier than thou and just probably a little too and clingy. cool with love he's he's full of love he has so also, much love let, to give. let's talk about how the chasses are pretty much okay with uh getting it on in the name of the church but like i think the thing that i like about rico's performance as roland is that it is so very it is so very rico yes like um this is, like, a, a very quintessential Rico performance. And I think the thing that works is because this character is a lot of the ways, like Andrew describes. And I think the thing that I like about him most is that Rico plays him with such a brutal honesty. Like, he's like, hey, bestie, that shirt makes you look fat. Yeah. 
I think that's why it works so well. And I think it works off of the as a high energy foil to the already very high energy Vanitas. Mm-hmm. And having these two fireballs just bounced off each other and like constantly works really well. And I I I don't really have much to add because I think Andrew nailed it so hard. I think uh, my other favorite thing that Roland does is that whole scene where like a lot of the hesitations that he gives in moments like how um like how i mentioned with mikhail where like you can hear it in his the hesitation in rico's voice and like how i think that is the only time that it was ever really faked was when he said we're gonna get you to a new home with other kids because like even he didn't know how Mikhail was going to adjust. He also uh, but had no idea about Mikhail's story. Yeah. Yeah, he could not really, like, comprehend it. Yeah. I also just love the fucking romantic advice scene on his end. Oh, oh god, god, it's so- that episode's hysterical. Where it's literally, like, he is out of options, he goes to a guy he fucking hates for romantic advice, and then he- I think one of the things I love, if you want to go onto the whole brutal honesty thing, where he, where he real, where Vanitas basically straight up says, how can anybody love somebody like me? And then it, he basically just kind of openly says, I, I knew you, I knew you didn't like yourself, but it's clear that you absolutely hate yourself. Yep. And then in that case... Let that's the where the whole comedy thing is. Let, let me love. Let, let me, me love you for loving me. Touching me, touching. Oh God damn it! Oh my God, God. It. sweet Caroline. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> good times never seem so good. But so good, so good, so good. And that's a good way to describe all of these performances. So good, so good, so good. Sweet. Gigi, do you have anything? Sorry, I'm like, my brain is going in a million directions tonight. Um, yeah, I didn't realize it was Rico until I read the cast list. I don't know why I can't place Rico Pardo wow, really? in things. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. That's the only one I'm going to call you out for at this point. Well, at first I thought it was Josh Greeley, and then it wasn't. I don't know. Like, I think maybe because, and this is like a complete opposite because I didn't want to shit on Andrew's parade that uh, I just, I just fucking hated Roland as a character. Like I hated. Okay. You're just wrong. I hated everything about him because like I grew up Catholic. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. So basically Gigi has a vendetta. I mean, Roland, Roland would be the guy singing Jesus love me. This I know the loudest. And I, uh, I have lots of words that I'm not going to share on this podcast about religion or anything involving it, but it just like, I don't know, like the whole thing kind of hit me the wrong way. And I was like, is he being sincere in everything that he's saying? Or is he just being like an overly religious kind of zealot person? And I don't, Rico did a good job at toeing the line. You know, I just, I don't have a lot to say about Roland as a character just because I, I just I, really 
disliked his blonde eyelashes. I don't know. I think the thing that's clear to me is that he is a ser- he is like a servant of the church, but it's also clear that like he believes in himself more than anything. It's very very um holier than thou kind of. Right, which is why is the whole fascinating... thing a parody? Is it supposed to be a parody? Do you play it as a parody? I don't really know. Like it just it just seemed like a weird and he's very, Roland is a very smart, like, continuing to, you know, once he comes across Vanitas and Noe in the catacombs and is just like, oh, yeah, like you're, a, you're a chasseur like me, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, Locke and Noe in the cage or Vanitas in the cage, whatever. And then, you know, calling him Vincent in front of Olivier. Like, it was just, he's very smart and very calculating. And so, like, I don't know. I just find his whole thing. This isn't even a thing about religion. Christ almighty. I am not the person that's going to be going up to bat for the Catholic church. Gosh, fucking damn it. I just think Roland is a very unique foil and a lot more interesting and calculating and like meticulous than I was expecting while also just kind of being this weird goofy dude that's actually a good dude but also knows he's fucking powerful and i think that's fascinating i like how gg brought up the holier than thou thing because i think roland and alstofo are both different spectrums of that yes where alstofo believes that that gives him a right to extreme violence and prejudice where roland believes that it gives him the power to just do whatever he wants and befriend whoever if he wants secrecy be damned um are we good to move on to the next part let's go oh there's a lot to talk about (laughs) oh man let's talk about pretty much a a majority of what season two is and that is uh beast of javadon the beast of javadon arc which the beast of javadon is was said to be a beast that appeared in javadon and eight women and children, as you end up finding out in this, it is basically a time loop where a vampire named Chloe de Arquebert, uh has basically kind of trapped everybody in this because of her malnormity and the man who loves her enough to try to save her. Uh, but the big characters in this part are Chloe de Arquebert, uh, she Dachier. Is... Dachier. Wow, good job, Megan. Dashie, the daughter of the Dashie family who was born a vampire. Her family, especially her father, uh, started messing with the world code, which basically makes up how vampires and stuff existed, to try to turn her back, and she kind of becomes a victim to her own loneliness and the feelings that she has of never being wanted and loved by her father for who she was. Uh, Jean-Jacques Chatel is the man, who, the boy who falls in love with her, and eventually uh, trades his true name to become powerful enough to to help and love her. Uh, and they're, they're kind of, like, hate and love cycle. They both kind of very much come from the same place where they had parents who didn't love them for how they were. Uh, kind of is this toxic relationship that eventually gets broken. We also have Dante and Johan. They are what are called Damphiers. They are half-human, half-vampire. They are information brokers. There's also a third one that is played by Lucy Christian, but she doesn't get to show up as much, so sorry, Lucy. Uh, they are information brokers, and they kind of have their biggest part in this seri- in this part of the series, because you also find out that they're working for a vampire senate man, uh, senator 
played by Jason Marnoka, who's the one in the big robot suit. But that character shows up once in Sorry, Jason Marnoka. He looks cool, though. He does look cool as fuck. Um, so Chloe is played by Brina Palencia. Jean-Jacques Chital is played by J. Michael Tatum. Dante is played by Ian Sinclair. And Johan is played by Josh Grayley. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Ian and Josh. Ian, you'll know his characters such as Lizard and Africa Salaryman. Klaus, War- uh, Klaus Warwick and Code Geass Akito the Exiled. And Romano in the Hitalia franchise. Josh Gurley, you'll know his characters such as Femt and Blood Blockade Battlefront. Uh, Taishi Jigamoto in the Eden of the East franchise. And Kotetsu in Kamisama Kiss. Now, Gigi, you brought this up earlier. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Brain of Valencia, you'll know his characters such as Lisa Way and Kasher and Sins, Nai uh, Tanoji and Steinigate, and of course, Polo and Spice and Wolf. And now, why is that relevant to this conversation? Oh, I'm getting there. I never even thought of that. <laughs> J. Michael Tatum, you were, thi- you were thinking Ciel and Sebastian, weren't you? Are you fucking kidding yes. me? Yes. Are you fucking kidding me, Gigi? Well, at first I, I was mean, thinking Hellgirl and Sebastian, but now that you said that, I sure oh was. J. Michael she, Tatum I mean, plays. J. Michael Tatum plays. Mycroft Holmes in Case File Number Two Twenty One Kabuki Show. Uh, she's a Kodomeki in Holic and Craft Lawrence and Spice and Wolf. Gigi, I they're literally a fucking wolf. Totally. I cannot believe we yeah. went to three different places and none of us are wrong. Yeah, it's, none it's of us are wrong. It's literally that picture of the office of the people pointing the finger guns of Rhea Palencia <laughs> and J. Michael Tatum Perils. Anyways, yes. uh, we don't need uh, Spice and Wolf Season 3. We got Case Study of Body Toss But we covered. are getting Spice and Wolf Season 3. But we are three. getting Spice and Wolf Season 3. It's not going to be as good as this, let's be real here. Ooh, those are fighting words. Oh my god, I can't unsee it now. You can't unsee Spice and Wolf? I can't, oh my god, you don't understand the images in my brain at this moment that they just fucking flipped Spice and Wolf the genders. It's an alternate universe. Have you? And it's great. So before we start talking about the performances here, uh, this is the arc where I felt like I was missing something the entire time and I must okay. have fallen asleep somewhere because there's so many plot holes and absolutely like 90% of this doesn't make any fucking sense. Oh no, there's no plot holes. There's there just no a lot pl- happening. It's just a lot of plot and story elements getting introduced. Like, I- like Chris was like, there's a time loop. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? They were the just time on a train. Was- like when did the- we get a time loop? Did I miss something? The time loop was her malnomity. It's literally the Malnomity. They talk about the fact that, like, there's the ar- like the army guys that were killed the other day that reappeared again, and she's kind of just living, stuck, frozen in time. Time. She's, she's frozen in time because Chloe wants to kill herself. Yeah, I got that part. I just didn't fucking realize that they were stuck in a time loop until at the end when it wasn't snowing anymore. And I was just like, what the fuck just happened? And Chris is like, oh, they're in a time loop. And I was like... Yeah, because everybody... Everybody in Chloe's life was honestly trying to fucking use her. That's it's why. fucking awful. Like, secondly, oh. there's a movie. This reminded me of Beauty and the Beast a lot. Like, there is like a true Gaston in parts of these. 
Oh my God. And I'm going to bring this up because now I can't get it out of my head. Uh There is a French movie from like the seventies called La Bette. And that is all that is in my head right now. And I can't get it out. I think we talked about that. We did. And no a clue. I'm so sorry, but please don't watch that with your wife. But oh, or do. there's a lot of things Noah should not watch. With his well, family. no, Jenny is doing a thing where she's watching all the Beauty and the Beast adaptations, oh, and I was talking about this one, and he's like, "Well, let's find it," and I was like, "I can't remember what the name of it is." So we literally Googled it in my Netflix history yeah. for 25 minutes trying to find the name of this movie. I remember this. And then he watched I the trailer, and Jenny's like, "I don't want to watch this," and I was like, "You don't want to watch this. This is it's it's." fucking weird but now that's all i can think about and now i hate myself and whoops i'm gonna go back to thinking about brina palencia as hell girl and my crossover fanfic with sebastian from black butler because this is what i got out of this (laughs) Gigi, you're not wrong (laughs) like you're not wrong it's just a different iteration i was gonna ask did you want to start with uh those two or did you want to start with no let's save poncho time for the end because Ian Sinclair is involved, which I have asked also if we could like retire I, I, the sorry, poncho. On, Can we retire the poncho? <laughs> okay, okay, hang on. Okay, I need. I have to actually ask. Please don't yell. Stop yelling. Is Dante poncho time? It means Ian Sinclair. It, it, poncho is Ian Sinclair time. Dante? No. No, just Ian Sinclair. I know, but like, I think that was the thing that was the funniest thing to me knowing I was doing this episode with you in that there are all these extremely attractive anime vampire people and Dante just looks like a fucking guy you're just you're just like chugging back beers with at a Dante bar is not is Dante is not my with. thing to Dante's not be thing, fair. The voice is. The Dante voice is, is like the Ian Sinclair it is the most Ian Sinclair character. Yes. It is very funny because a lot of these people are playing like French vampire people and Dante is just Ian Sinclair. It's so fucking funny. Okay, so if we're talking about the fact that this is like an AU for Black Butler for like CL and Sebastian, does this technically make Ian's character his character for Black Fuck. The narrator? Um, um, no, no, um, he's the gardener. No, no, the gardener's Jason. Not Finian. It's um, Bothroy. I think. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I think he's like the mechanic or the cook or something. He's the cook. He had also directed that dub. Sorry, the last thing I remember about Black Butler was I watched the live action movie, which I don't suggest anyone do. Dante is the is the most Ian Sinclair that Ian Sinclair could Ian Sinclair. And he's fucking hilarious and so done with Vanitas's bullshit. Calls him a quack on a constant basis. Because he is. It's very funny. Yeah, he's right. We all love Ian Sinclair. It's fine, Andrew. You can pick your job up off the floor now. You know what? I actually really liked his performance being so callous and stuff. I did too. Because he definitely he definitely seems like the guy who has literally gotten drunk in every bar in Paris and lost a fight. I loved it. <laughs> it just reminded me of like him doing like that fucking, didn't he do a Canes commercial? Raisin, a, a Raisin Canes? I think he did some kind of commercial that's like around here. And I was like, it just reminds me of him just like sitting around eating chicken, like constantly. 
But like his plot hole is like the biggest plot hole. And I can't forgive Dante for that because I want to know what happens, even though I know now that what? the manga what? is what like hole? not done. What do you mean his plot hole is the biggest plot hole? What? There is like there the thing that him and um what's the guy's name? Johan? Yeah. That's not a oh, plot hole. That's no, just that's, a, that's just, it's a, just a thing. Story element. No, but who are they going to see and why are they like being so shady around Noe? And like what's the deal they- there? They're going to see... Um, we were talking about that earlier. They literally... Hold on. They're going to see um, Marcus Machina, the guy in the robot suit. They said that they were working for yeah, him. Yeah, but why? Because Because of... they got, they're hired for... As, like, they're hired they're... for information. They're being paid but to why? do But why? That's the plot hole. Because... because no, it's that's not, not a plot, plot hole. Fucking... So, okay. So, Chloe... Chloe's family had been doing research for a while into the world formula in order to try and make Chloe human again, and they created this machine type yes, thing. Yes, I got that. That's the, the Phantom that's of the Opera machine. That the guy is I in, got it. Yes, that's what the guy is interested in and wants Dante and Johan to bring back to him. That's what it is. Also, apparently, reading up, they did cut a lot of his character stuff out of the anime, so it's not as much of a pothole as it is just not Just adapting. not there. Okay, well, that makes a little more sense. Yeah, because they, it's very clear that Dante and Johan and, um, that Dante, Johan, and Vishay, the girl one, will literally do anything for fucking money. Oh, okay. That makes more sense now. Yeah, to the point where Johan literally threatens, literally puts a knife up to Vanitas' neck and says, if you fuck with my business, I'm gonna fuck with you. Oh, God. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, so, I, I love that scene, because a lot of this is that he is basically, um, he, I, Megan, I think you were telling me that, is, is that Johan's basically the gay best friend? Yeah, Johan's there, Johan's the, the, the token gay of the damps. He, he's their emotional support, he's their emotional support friend that basically is the middle ground of, like, okay, you're all a bunch of personalities. I am the voice of reason. Yes. So when the... my reason is, if you fuck with my money, I'm going to fuck with you. I think it was even more that it was just when Vanitas threatens them, and you're like, if you hurt Dante, you hurt that's anyone was, I fucking yep. care about, I will end you. Yeah, that's his boyfriend. It was just like a, a, a nice like ache drop of like, oh shit. This character who's kind of just sort of like the the flamboyant voice of reason is like, I will end you if you hurt my, the people yes. I care about. I was like, ooh. Yeah. And, and you I know, will... that's always the best type of Josh Gruley performance. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's, it's a delightful character. And I'm glad Josh is just having a ton of fun playing this character. As much as Ian is just playing this drunken and bar hopping guy who has just <laughs> walked into this vampire anime. And I love him for it. It's. So I think fun. my favorite thing about uh, Josh as Johan is like, it's just so entertainingly Josh. Yes. Like I put Femped down, which is one of my all-time favorite Josh Bradley performances, and this is very much the line between like Femp and Femped in a normal Josh character. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, everybody, so we got the thing. Let's go home. And I really like how by the end of that arc, they are both kind of like, what the fuck do you want us to do? We are in a world-ending crisis. We can't fight. We don't even know what's going on. Find my book. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> We're helping, and they helped. And I helped. And I helped. But but yeah, I think Ian and Josh are a very fun part of the side of like the ensemble cast, and I think they've got a lot of fun interactions, including Dante, um, where he gets to hang around and tag along on the fake date, and he just go, yeah. he just sees what is. That's it. Uh, this is just a regular date now. I'm leaving. He's just like, I hate this. Yeah, he. I he, hate everything he's about like the this. best just, episode though. He just runs into Dominique for some fucking reason, and he just he gets decides. Along. He I just like the end of that stay. episode where Noe is just mumbling how much he wants to drink Bonnie Toss's blood, and and Dante is just sitting there, and he's like, "Bro, are you okay?" <laughs> that and in the last episode, are you going to apologize for punching me? Yeah, sorry. Is that all you're going to give yeah. me? <laughs> yes. We just had a lot of drama go on. And then he's like, oh, yeah, you don't matter. It's like, fuck you. You. Oh, God. Uh, speaking of characters with a lot of drama going on, Chloe and Jean-Jacques. Oh, boy. Uh, which, I would say which, to start with Jean-Jacques. I want to say this, though. In the best way possible, I'm really happy that this was Brina and, and J. Michael Tatum. Because yes. I... It's been a hot minute since they've been in a, lead, a lead in a show together. Mm-hmm. And it, this is just... I want that back. I missed how good their chemistry is between each other. Yeah. Like, also, shout out to, I believe, Emily Fajardo is the younger version of Jean-Jacques. Yes, it yes, is. Yes, it is. Uh, Emily did fin- fantastic as little Jean-Jacques. And just, like, you just feel so bad for this guy who all he's ever done is want to love somebody who has never felt love in her life. You can hear the heartache of of it. And I feel like in a lot of other anime, their role would be switched around. Where it was the girl who would be the domestic one, not the science knowledgeable one. It would be the guy having the very nihilistic suicide attempt where nobody, like, cares about them anymore. But it's the reverse. Where he becomes the beast for her. Yeah, And you just feel that in J. Michael Tatum's performance. And I love when he's walking up to Chloe, who's been trapped by her own device. And he just kind of, it finally hits him after all of these years. After the hundreds of years that he has been in this. Where he's like, time and time again, I've killed these soldiers thousands of times, hundreds of thousands of times. I've lived every day like this, but I never, and how he finally realizes that in everything, Chloe didn't need someone to go out and kill for her. She needed someone to just take her as she was. And it was also screaming, kiss her, you idiot, a lot. Um, Valid. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, you have Brina playing such a tragic character and I love the visualization of her as the bird in the cage. Yes. And I immediately really like how established Chloe's possessiveness is of how she wants her life and her fate to be when she literally just tells, I believe, Noe, don't you know I'm very clingy because he tried to kill Mania. I love how that comes back to her sauntering up and 
fucking choking out mania going don't you know i'm clingy no 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 that is not the lie you quiet you quiet what's the lie it's not that she's clingy it's that she's jealous no 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 i i wrote down the line because it's literally one of my favorites in the show i warned you i am a terribly jealous woman one of my absolute favorite lines. And Bria's fucking delivery. Yes. It's one of my favorite deliveries in the show, and it's so fucking It's like good. watching it's like watching Brina pull out a sword and just shove it into like someone's body. It's so good. And just the the amount of pain and depression that comes across in Brina's voice for this character. Like, when she talks about laying in the field with Jean for the first time, where she just says, I could have died in that moment and have been happy. Yeah. And and you forget that she stopped aging at 11. And she sounds so mature until the moment where she breaks from the cage and her malnomity and she's falling down with the two people she's ever really, truly felt love towards. Jean and uh, Jean-Jacques going, all I ever wanted was for my family to love me for who I was. Because at the end of the day, she had, she, I like that the show's biggest thing about Chloe was that Chloe herself didn't do anything out of a sense of jealousy and, like, she didn't do anything to be malicious towards anybody but herself. At first, but her sense of, like, hatred became just nihilism to the extreme, where she accidentally drew everybody else in, because she no one would extend their hand, because if they did, they just didn't do it in a way that would ever really help her. And the other scene with Chloe that really gets me, and Brina's, like, performance, with how much she sounds like a scared child, is when Augustus, when, uh, Ruthven tries to make her promise him. And she's just like, why are you doing this to me? And it's just this moment of, like, someone just absolutely just breaking her trust and heart. It's... I I, I love how the whole Spice and Wolf thing came up, obviously, because reasons. And similar to you, I kind of do miss, like... Brina and Tatum being, like, leads in a show together because they have such great, like, on-screen chemistry together, which is fantastic. And this is just, like, I don't want to say a return to form. I want to say, what do I want to fucking say? It's very nostalgic. Thank you. Yeah. It's very nostalgic. And I I love how this was handled. And it's, both these characters are very tragic in their own way because we find out with Jean-Jacques, his childhood because he basically makes Noah drink his blood, and Noah is special vampire boy. Uh, so he's able to see into his memories, and we find out that Jean-Jacques doesn't have the greatest upbringing either. It, it, it's, it's a very interesting and intriguing story how these two met, how these two got to know each other, and really just became a comfort to each other. But Jean-Jacques also feels a lot of guilt when he finally realizes Chloe never in Chloe never intended on staying alive once she accomplished her mission. Mm-hmm. He had no clue, and then once he heard, once he was told about it from um, Noe and Vanitas, 
he's just he just suddenly realizes all of these subtle little things that Chloe has said or done, and it's just like, why have I not noticed that before? And just seeing Tatum have those moments of like realization, just kind of breaking down, it, it's just really heart wrenching. And then with Brina as Chloe, again, both of these characters are very tragic. I mean, there's not much more with Chloe that I could say that hasn't already been said at this point. But goddamn, does Brina do a fantastic job with this? <laughs> like, it's so, so much fun. And it's, oh, I love it. They're very good. They're very strong performances in this arc in particular. I was just happy to hear J. Michael Tatum voice another butler. <laughs> That's all that matters. I mean, really, like. It's been a hot minute since I think I've heard him in anything that I've watched, to be honest with you. And Brina, I can't get the... It's been a long time since I've heard anything substantial for her other than Minetta. So when I first heard Chloe, I was like, I, I, I didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't get the voice. But then when I realized, oh... It's Brina Palencia, and she sounds like she did, like, what, 10, 15 years ago doing Hell Girl? And I was like, I get it now. It's like I was talking about during, I know you guys weren't on this episode, but during the Excel World episode, um, Mm -hmm. Kira Buckland really, like, grew into her role there. And I think this was kind of a slow start for me to hear Brina as Chloe. But as the arc went on, I feel like her performance just grew and blossomed into this role to make... Chloe, yes, somebody who's very um, upset and sad and everything. But I mean, now she has a purpose just to to keep on going. And she has to decide that, that she wants to go on. So I thought it was really, really great towards the end of the arc for both of them. And no, I just really like when J. Michael Tatum talks. Like I just do. It's just a thing. It's been a. He's good at it. It's been a while. He's good. He's good at talking. He's good at talking. Like, <laughs> I could just listen to him talk about random shit. Like, I say Howard Wang could like read the phone book. Maybe J. Michael Tatum can read like my Google Google search history or something, and just make everything sound very polite and regal. And I'm down with that. Even when he's playing a butler who turns into. The werewolf of Gévaudan, which yeah. uh, if you guys ever played, <laughs> probably didn't play this. There's a board game that was around a while ago. It, it's called Nightmare. It's Australian, I think. And you put it into your VCR. Like, this is how old the game was. But you played a video. Wow. And there are little characters that go around the board that are based on some historical some non-historical characters and one of them was a you know this is how i'm saying with the accent according to this actor gavodin the werewolf and so now every time i i heard Gévaudan, i was like oh it's gavodin the werewolf thanks to the guy who looks like meatloaf on my nightmare vhs that my dad instilled in me when i was a wee a wee little baby so Enjoy that school of thought. I'm surprised like nobody was named Elizabeth Bathory in here. I really could have gotten behind that, but 
I feel like as the manga goes on, we're probably going to get a little. Oh my god, I hope so. I did a project on her when I was in high school, and everybody was so. Again, I went to Catholic high school, and if you know who Elizabeth Bathory is, it was a little weird and a little strange to do a project on Elizabeth Bathory in a Catholic high school. And I was like, I don't care. This girl is the goat. Like, this is what my project is. It's great. I got an A plus. So. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, vampires. I love, I've always loved vampires. This does not, you know, just start at Diabolic Lovers and die at Vanitas, fam. So yeah, um, definitely adding on to all that, um, I agree that Tatum and Brina are delightful. I think Tatum's just, he's definitely very suave, very charming, very butler-like, ironic for a couple of reasons, but um, I think he's just a good boy, and I think Jean-Jacques is definitely a very good lad doing his best. And definitely the scene when he's trying to reach out for Chloe uh, absolutely broke my heart, and I wish nothing for the best for them. And I honestly would say that I think Brina as Chloe is probably one of my favorite performances in the second half of the show. She's got this very, like, ethereal, regal air to her that is just absolutely entrancing and just absolutely air of mystery air of tragedy air of everything going on and then just absolutely fucking kills me when she's trying to kill mania oh god that line where she's like i told you i'm a terribly jealous woman just ooh, the delivery of that's so good and it gives me chills and it's fucking good and brina Brina is definitely a very experienced actress, but absolutely adored the work that she gave with Chloe. It was fucking great. And yes, it is, of course, hysterical that it is Tatum and it is Brina. It, it really feels like one of those conversations of, you can tell a lot about people when, what they think when they think of Tatum and Breedom Palencia characters. I thought Spice and Wolf, you thought Black Butler, Jeej. Fight me, I guess. You're all, you're all correct. <laughs> Just because you are correct doesn't mean you're right. I thought it was the other way around. Just because you're right doesn't mean you're correct. I thought that was the saying. Okay, yeah, Steph's correcting me on fate means. I think that's a good segue to move on. <laughs> I even know that. Speaking of fucking up. Um, oh boy. <laughs> the villains uh, of this shit. You fucked up. You done fucked up. Alright, so we have three, uh, baddies? Which definition of baddie? The, the, As in they're bad, not that you're down bad for them. The, the, one, in, my the case, in my case, I am the down traditional. one. traditional. I am down bad for one of them. I was gonna say, I know at least in one of these cases, you are both, Megan. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Andrew. He's not wrong, which is un- which is what's sad right now, I think. Uh, <laughs> stop calling me out like this. <laughs> Sorry. We have Teacher, who is the man who took in Noe as a child, and he is also the grandfather to Dominique and Louis. Uh, by the end of the series, we find out that he is known as the Shapeless One, and he might not be as nice as he seems. Dun 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 dun! dun. Then we have Mania, 
who has the worst spelling and pronunciation. Like, this is some white woman naming their kid River with three R's and a Y. I feel like it is mania. But the way, like, I was looking up the name is that it's spelt N-A-E-N-I-A. The weirdest fucking spelling ever. Like a fucking nene. <laughs> what? Stop. That's what we're comparing this to? A fucking watch her- nene? I mean, at one point, Chloe did just get got to watch her whip the nene into some ropes. God damn it. <laughs> but we find out she is also the queen of all vampires. But she is the one who is people's true names and making them into Malnomen. And then there's August Ruthven, who is uh, Luca's uncle.
<laughs> Are we talking? Thank you, sweetie. You're I'm trying. Doesn't make me feel. Darling, in the anime equivalent of Catholic. It's fine. Don't worry, you're not missing much. I'm in my dress-up darling, I feel like there are shows I've watched recently that have... ...regards to show can sell me on intimacy and sexuality in a way that I am legitimately going... doing it or oh they fucking in like a comedic sense and i am leaning f oh yep. damn and dub conveys those makes me bite my lip and it's fucking spicy. it's spicy in the best way the shows i point to as a are in fact all written by women we know how to do porn better than men. To write intimacy better. <laughs> God, I, I watched that in the Dress Up Darling God, men are so fucking bad at porn. Conveys all of her anxieties, her accentualities, her sensualities, and her badassness. They go 24 episodes without showing us what Dr. do in battle, and then she does the fucking cool ice zombies, and it's fucking awesome. It was so worth it. It was fucking killer. Yeah, no. Thank you guys for your, your awesome thoughts. The two bottom bitches now. Let's... <laughs> Beast. Haha, Gedix is named Privates because he can look through memories. Oh, I just got that. Uh -huh. Oh my god. Oh my That's god, it. are you About Vanitas. Yeah. He's making an archive. Wow, I. Eve, I didn't pick up on that until now. Noe is a good natured. Uh, to Patty on uh, the request Bonnie Toss. He's a good guy. Actually, him flashing back. Bonnie Toss will eventually die by his hand. Bonnie Toss is Doctor of Vampires with his magic book. and became inhuman because of the blue moon and also caused Luna's death. They wanted to die as themselves before he doesn't reveal his true ambitions until the end. of the week gave me lots of cuddles. The bad 
bit my arse. Yep. God damn it. These two wonderful gentlemen, Noah and Vanitas, is played by Zeno. Noah's characters such as Takahiro, Maki-kun, Saito, and Hakuna, occult civil servants. Zeno, uh, I think a lot of us here are familiar with Takazawa in the Gymnastic Samurai. Animation, Hayato Matsura in Joseph. So, do we want to start with Van? Start with Noe. Yeah. It was Stephen Fu. I was. Stephen Fu is interesting in that. Of what Stephen Fu's. Recently, I've known him for a couple of things. I think the one I was most familiar with. T is the bit my ass cat compared to <laughs> no ways cuddled me nicely. Auntie probably hasn't showered in months. That's also just goes through garbage. Oh my God. Y'all. BTVA and like my heart. Gigi, he is, he's, he's done a lot. Not know he was best boy in JoJo. Oh, weather report? Weather report does it for you? Even more than Joseph? Always Jonathan plus me, OT. you would have picked Anastasia, so I'm proud of you. <laughs> God damn it. You know what? Somehow, not the, not even the silver... My respect for you has grown. I'm... <laughs> Gigi's like, I am forever married to Jonathan. I am. Stop. Nobody else loves him. It's me and Jonathan on our lonely island full of love. But my shite hose weather report is not a <laughs> Oh, Kakui? Yes, we won't. Said. So, I love this boy. I boy. I love this good. I I'm just so endeared to that wanting to see the best in people. Or. Is that bright-eyed optimist? It's in vampires, and every is just a good. Heart. He's also I, uh, Stephen Fu's delivery. Me, and I love how he. Is basically, oh, I think you're a douche. It's like Vanitas. I don't like you, but I 
He cannot tell a lie to save his life. Extremely. Like, I- I've... God. If you want to talk about... It's Stephen Fu in fucking Rio Saiba. Like, he does such a good job. Some really funny moments throughout. Is all. Show. It's when he decides. Not gonna take. Idea. <laughs> Come here, bitch. And then, as it turns out. Noe plays the part of the evil villain who has taken poor def- and is laughing maniacally while- even sells that maniacal good boy energy. He comes across his- his more dramatic chops, really. Definitely say so. And um, you know, no way can be a little un. And considering oh sequel to I the Somnium Files. Yeah, it's it's very wild coming back to this one after playing a bit of that and stuff going on, but no way in particular. And absolutely incredible as Noe. Y'all. It's time for tea time. Is this good tea or bad tea? This is the good Numerous occasions. It's not the that guy. I don't know who that guy. No, I know who Steve. The first time we have mentioned, well, I. Curio bed and breakfast for spirits where I was like who that and I was like he the city hunter movie and I was like oh my god Stephen Fu who are you why are you so amazing ensemble stars he's been in this boy suffers from crystallization which I still want to do a dub talk on at some point in time but who knows when that will be he's been in Sarazan The Dumbbell Show. Oh yeah, he is the muscle guy. Oh, guy muscle. I'll tell you that even though he... ...for Stephen Fu, as I was with... For all intents and purposes should be the person that I would simp It was no way. Domi's like, hey, no way. It's been That's, That's what I call the very elite. There are a few choice moments. 
handkerchief off my face because that's that's sexy. <laughs> you graduated. As Vanitas is my type, no, he's not my type. Because of him, because of him. my my main my main dude now. The top of the totem pole anymore. It's no way. I'll we have to remember that cinnamon is a spice. Like Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> You just brought us some nights of joy. <laughs> In the South, have a phrase moaning as he su as no and Vonnie Tots is <laughs> and that phrase is. Yeah. What is the? F I don't know. I haven't seen Abbott Ellen. Listen, the grown one too. <laughs> what? Baby Jesus and the grown one too. Oh, I've been watching a little bit of it. I I've just seen the clip where uh, the. And that's all I can think that's, of. Yeah, that's. And you're just like, oh my god, why can't I be Dominique right now? Mm -hmm. Not to Steven, but about no way. And the good boyness, the express Talk about one of my favorite Stephen Fumo. In episode 12, after the date, Ian comes in to tell them about the Beast of Sh where there by himself yes. and the other thing, and he's Toss has is bleeding still, and he's just going. I shouldn't do this, but oh my god! I on a stream of consciousness. Heart, you're in public. It's right. It's so. God. Moment where Bella was pushed out the window and Jacob and Edward started making out. Uh, couldn't that happen in this show? I was. They can just start. That can out. work too. No, like.
is a huge pleasant surprise. Mighty. Noe's character has a naivete to it, but it also has a child. Like him. Ex oh, what? That? Like it's the sweet little like purest. About to make a call back. Uh oh. Other actor, uh -oh. and she knows. I thought what? Claw. Oh my god. <laughs> That in person. Wait, what? Vanitas, oh <laughs> I have been chosen. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> so when I met Howard, Johnny just signed my copy of Actors, and he specifically brought up the thing about the alien and Toy Story comparison. <laughs> and she was right. Did I say <laughs> Yes! <laughs> replies to me on Twitter. Carrie. Better to compare to an alien from Toy Story than a fucking mid. Christ, the most cursed image. God. God. Is it a green minion? No. It's 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 Just... Oh! <laughs> it's Megan. 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 God. Point. It's Kendall Smooth now. <laughs> We have a drought warning in the water and the thirst. <laughs> anyway. Stevens no way is that childlike curiosity. Describe no character is actually as a children tend to also have a lot of time. Blunt honesty and I think what it's one of my favorite interactions between uh, Steven and Zeno is when Noe asked Zeno, when Noe asked Vanitas, what exactly is love? Well, Alternate Paris. And they're just dancing. And my, my gay senses. And because I see Noe like, how... I don't understand. 
exactly that tone and inflection. Without like tone to the point of being fully judged. Jaded from the world around him. So it, it, it brings on. It's, I think it's that's the main character trait for Noah is just he better he doesn't know anything he is a life ahead of him but quality and curiosity and bluntness and i think is what endeared to stephen foo's portrayal of no way you just want what's best you want what's best for him <laughs> see when i say no way is not my type that's what i mean like i don't like the good you are always for the bad one. Bad boys. And here you are. Boy of all time. Okay, you know what? <laughs> I can fix him. Your I can make him worse. <laughs> Hear it. And I have proven that, actually. Or Gigi is, yeah, I can fix him, but whatever the fuck is wrong with him is good, better anyway. Exactly. It but no, I, I definitely, I definitely really love And at this point, can I kind of shift over to Zeno? So, Megan will remember. Zeno is the Dazai for that one. I walked so that boss could fucking run. On the same time frame, so I could hear the. But it's a bit more subtle. Vanita! Biggest shit gremlin you could ever. <laughs> and he is a shit gremlin. Hide his real feeling. Yes. His persona does not match the inward. little bitch kind of thing so the him he basically on purpose tends to make people dislike him he's a man of many do whatever correct That's last quarter of the show this character is luna tells one take your memories keep them closely guarded just kind of goes into self defense mode just to protect his memories sits with Vanitas's character no gets to play across the board he gets to be the little shit gremlin he gets to be the the like suave, suave romantic guy he gets to be vulnerable to be angry he gets very defensive there's a lot of us has and Zeno just gets to run the nuances and oh 
movies from last year. Like, this just... To see what was to this character next. Vanitas is definitely, I would think, one of the main draws to this show. Granted, you would just the character. Just that, I think so. Mm -hmm. Honestly. So, I mentioned earlier in tonight's episode that I felt... That shows, like, Full Metal Alchemist. Mid-2000s. That mid-2000s, like, action fan is a similar itch. Particular to me, Xeno Robin is the Alter Earth reality. Those are strong I can words. get behind this. 1,000%. Mm. Those are strong words. I stand 100%. ...of Zeno Robinson's entire fucking career. I think it's up there. There's a lot of time. I genuinely think this is one of the most complicated dub performances in the entire show Zeno is a fucking has played the gambit of all types of Bonitas is a tour and I think it's some of the best work he's ever done it's some of his it's definitely sensual I would dare to be challenged to hear a in the future, and I know people will that and says fucking bet. God, absolutely incredible performance. Broken person is dynamic relationship with all off of Dominique, how he plays off of off everybody, but especially the is how Vanitas and Noah different perspectives. They are rock they are friends and possibly something more. They are at but honestly the best work I've ever heard out of Zeno Robinson as a think is a fucking fascinating character. And it's such an inspired choice. The perfect man for this job. Perfect and then some. Fucking incredible. He gets to play with his range a lot. Oh. We're just saying. While I agree with a lot of what everyone is saying, well, first of all, like, hey, that's the dude from the Owl House. He's not wrong. No, he's right. He's and I was like, through a lot of the show, I was like, from the Owl House. 
Benitas was like some little kid. So Chris ruined it for you. Chris kind of yeah. ruined it a little. My boyfriend ruined Vanitas for me. Sorry. I can't believe your boyfriend killed your boner. I know. That's okay. I got it back with Noe. How oh, Noe got my groove back, I guess. To go along with what Andrew said, when I started thinking of this... like full metal alchemist until it got to the gay shit and then I was like oh yeah this is where it really lies for me like I will always hear you know as he is in Kuroko or growly yeah like Kuroko's basketball and I stand by even if I had seen this I'd still more when I say that vanitas is more my type i'm not saying that Zeno did a bad job my aesthetic i was expecting something different i just early on in the owl house my brain it's i dislike full metal alchemist like everybody who watches it ever is i never finished all my full I metal alchemist if it makes you feel better you know anymore good but it's not the same and to describe the face I am making. Now what that comment? <laughs> very dis- if I was to describe it to you, dear listeners, it's like gummy in my fucking butt. What? <laughs> oh, good. But no, I I got it in my head that now Zeno was an action actor. And that is just not where I thought. Oh, so it threw me, it threw me off. But when Vanitas was talking. Is there between both of those characters and it's from Zeno's performance. So I just, it took me off guard. I describe it because I really wasn't expecting voice like that the higher like I thought it would be a lot lower Vanny sexy dark vampire and Edward Elric I'm going to be the everyman of this acting it acting top notch yes why didn't they kiss why didn't they And I was waiting, and then it. Go. I hate you means I love you. It's true. Also, he's. He's down bad for Jean. Oh, yeah! Like, I don't know where that's gonna go. Like, is that really where it's gonna go? Because in. 
way. You the polycules for, Jage. <laughs> you also gotta remember, though, there's a thing that's said in the very beginning of the Vanitas in the end. Ten bucks on unreliable narrator. That means that means you're fucking on the cruise. <laughs> that's, oh, that's the swinger. Know that. Oh, so that's the cruise equivalent. No. Do I really need to? Also, then move into final thoughts because let's go. Said a lot of great about Zeno as Vanitas. Kind of is a lot of the glue that show together. He is. He has the. Me though, my favorite scenes with him are. Uh, definitely when he's, like, talking about fucking with Dr. Moreau for the first time. And those he tried to get into his memories. Those, like, kind of dead inside moments of, I'm going to get rid of you until knowing ability to be, like, super quiet. And they're just talking, like, him and Steven For them both, and it's a good. Uh, but I can't really add on other than what everybody else has said. So very quickly, uh, I'll give mine. There's a big itch, and I think the thing that I like the most about it is it's an action show that also appeals to a lot of things that like female fans want between characters, and the double things that David Waltz has done so far. Big one that he did this year. But overall, I think it's a great time and also just my overall thoughts of the show and I will say listen, we can all argue as long as it's opening number two because it's fuck yeah. Next. My only other counter argument is the ending zero. Okay, fair. There's like the two best songs. Show is way. I forgot how it's so engrossing. Does just scratch the right itch of of those shows. Like this dub's incredible. Dave, which is a much more action or. is great. This dub is great. David Wald's a fantastic director and the crew of this is Essie. <laughs> I know you were saying see. I think he may Messy, you missed the look that I just gave. Messy. <laughs> oh God, is Mel it? Feels when he's telling everybody that they're fucking. 
know how much I praise David Wald under the sun. I just want to say thank you did with the French language in this. One thing that you should take out of this dub the French alone would me praise this dub to the moon and back. Everything saying where was the gay i missed but it wasn't there again heart longs for maybe coming in the future so i will wait with bated breath thank you to everyone involved for taking the time that you did to make this sound in english thanks Deej and steph do this it, it scratches it. sometimes i love action shows i also love it i also love my mystery shit it's and more bad as for the dub and has some outstanding performance beginning but that was the extent of it really the the language a lot of care and attention to detail from elevates this this show even more so if you have not a study of vanitas please go to this almost three-ish hour podcast not when I'm done with this, it's not going to be three. Not when I'm done with it, it's going to be that. If you watch the case study of Vanitas, you can watch it over. And Funimation, however, is being phased out as the. In operating website. As currently, there is no whole release, but it may come out. If you would like to read the manga for the case study of Vanitas, it is out in English via the supply chain and printers that the series. If you like us and what we Tumblr is dead. If you like you can feel inclined to give us money, if you in the description below, but if you feel like you want Patreon and speak Patreon, we do in fact have to give But with Yahweh Hands and Vicky Borda and our $10 patrons, Jacob Wilson, Jared Hawkins, Plenty, and Otaku Anthony. Just very quickly to uh, say who everybody else is that is Andrew. You can follow. Uh, he is also on podcast. Gigi, you can follow her at- But she does post every so-
and she's just genuinely awesome. Follow her at Lilac Anime Review, R E V U E, like a theater review. She does tend to stream on Twitch Sunday in the morning playing Pokemon Legend. Andrew and her are going through AI the Spells Nirvana Initiative. If you'd like to follow Basis. With that being said, alright everybody, we're done. No, no. Oh, it's so pretty. What are those cats? Reaching out toward. I was wrong. Alright, look, we can stay. We can stay in France, however, we do have. Alright, Andrew, I'm gonna need you to get up. Ugh. Fine. No, no. <laughs> and Otoku on my friend. Hon, hon, hon! Your faces. Everybody. Good night. Princess with a, gu a sour gummy bear. Four external use of me. <laughs>